The Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie. Well, my next guest is the author of a new novel that has been described as darkly comic and searingly honest. Carla Donahue is a Cork-born writer living in London. Her book is called Scenes of a Graphic Nature and it's released on August 6th. And Caroline joins me to chat about it and more on The Sunday Grill this morning. You're very welcome, Caroline. Lovely to be here. And may I add, I may be Cork born, but my father is from Waterford. Oh, so. brilliant. What part of Waterford is he from? Um, I think he's born in the city, but we, all of our um, uh, his family are still there. So uh, hello to uh, Uncle Frank, etc. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Frank, etc. Can you not remember the rest <laughs> of their names? <laughs> Let's chat. It's lovely to talk to you this morning. Um, and as we said, you're living in London. How are you? And I was just talking with Paul Meskel there. How do you feel about the whole English English people grabbing Paul Meskel and calling them his their own this week? Thanks to the Emmy nominations. Oh God, yeah. It's so, I think this is so funny. It's the most reliable piece of like um, sort of Irish sort of tabloid father. Yeah, isn't it? Just waiting for like you know an award season, tagging all of the people who are Irish and waiting for them to be called from like from the UK. Yeah, you know? exactly. At least they can pronounce Paul Meskel. I can't even talk. This <laughs> you can't even. I know, don't know how to pronounce Saoirse Ronan. She doesn't even get the the ability to say their name, but they'll call her British as much as they can. And the thing is, yes, it's. Uh, I like you know. Obviously, everyone's had this discussion a lot. It's very annoying to have like your uh, Irish talent being claimed as being English talent. It's, like, very, very irritating. It really um, is. But what I would say as well is that all of our Irish creatives, including myself, mm-hmm. have to move to the UK for career reasons, okay. right? Like, yeah. you can't really be a working actor mm-hmm. in Dublin anymore without doing a million other things. And um, you can't really do it in London either, but you have a better chance of doing it. And so... Maybe if we focus less on whining about who gets mistaken for being English and more on our own arts and culture scenes so that we can actually foster talent in True. the country and that not make people leave. That is such a good leave. point. And also, <laughs> interestingly, isn't Normal People such an excellent example of an international production? To see Courtney Kardashian post about it because it was on Hulu and on the BBC yeah. on, on RTE yeah. like it is quite amazing how the arts have become something that can go international really quickly well it's fantastic isn't it and the same with like Dairy Girls and that kind of yes. thing yeah. and do you know what it's really proving as well and, I, and this is so amazing to see which is you know we've had these years and years now of the cinema being this place where like Films are not made by people, they're made by companies. Mm. You know what I mean? These Marvel things that, like, they're made so that they can play well in, like, China mm-hmm. and so they can be easily translatable. And they're so kind of generic, it turns the cinema into just kind of a place for children to hang out and yeah. not, like, adults who want to see something challenging. And then, like, but then we're seeing with TV, like, actually specificity and things that are about very particular places and, and very, very particular, particular accents. Yeah, that, that actually, that's what people really want. That's yeah. what, like, grown-ups actually want. They don't really want a really generic story from it, some, a couple of good-looking generic Americans, Yeah, you really know? good point. And isn't it so interesting to see, like, who would have thought the Derry accent would travel so well? I know, I you know. know the kind brilliant. of accent that we've been making fun of yeah. for years. Now, like, <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's talk about scenes of a graphic nature. I'm three pages in, and I'm ho- I'm in 
I'm hooked. You're I, in. I really think now. First of all, I thought Charlie was a boy for a few, for maybe a page or two, and then I got it that Charlie is a girl. But I, I'm really hooked, and that's so important for me for the start of a book that it mm. is the first few pages that are important to me. Tell us where we start with, with scenes of a graphic nature and about the characters and their place in the world, because I think that's really important in this novel. Oh, God, big question. Big series of questions. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, um, all right, so we start Scenes of a Graphic Nature with Charlie Regan, who's almost 30. She's an Essex girl who technically lives in London, but because of her father's long-term illness, he's had cancer for quite a few years now. That's kind of, you know, he's gone through the, the thing that most people go through with long-term illness, which is it gets better for a while, and then it gets worse. And it gets better for a while, and then it gets worse. Mm. And so... She's not really had a 20s, so to speak. Mm-hmm. She's kind of been boomeranging back to her childhood home, looking after her father. And because she's also a filmmaker, she's been using that time to sort of do these taped interviews with him that she then turns into a film. Mm-hmm. And the, the basis of the film is um, uh, on a very particular event of his childhood, where when he was living, um, he grew up in a kind of a rural uh, island off the coast of Kerry called Clipham, which I made up, but it's kind of roughly the size and shape of somewhere like Valencia. Okay. And, um, and uh, yeah, and he survived a sort of disaster there whereby there was a carbon monoxide, le- monoxide? A carbon monoxide um, leak within his school building, killing the rest of his uh, schoolmates, but okay. sparing him. And in the world of this book, this is like quite a famous thing that happened. And like, it's one of these things that's used as a sort of, um, you know, in Ireland, whenever you're getting like a safety talk about carbon monoxide, it's one of those things that will come up with kind of one of those tragedies that's sort of important, but it has also faded into the background. And she spent her whole life hearing about this from her father. And um, in the middle of kind of the last days of his illness and also the beginning days of her film, being sent out to festivals. She gets an invite from the Cork Film Festival to come show the film. Okay. And once she gets there, we kind of, she sort of confesses to the reader, I've never actually been to Ireland. (laughs) I've spent my whole life thinking about it, talking about it, being told by my father that I'm actually Irish, I'm second generation Irish. I've never been. And she kind of has this discomfort of being like, like, I've made a film about this country where I've never been. She realizes that like, that was kind of a, it kind of puts her on the back foot, being like, oh God, I'm telling these people what their experience was, even though I'm not from here. And then while she's kind of on this back foot, she finds out while she's in London, or in Cork, that someone comes up to her at the festival and says, look, my father was a journalist. He knows what happened at that, on that island. And that wasn't an accident. It was a murder. Oh, so and many different things there, going on here. I know that, I'm sorry, there's a lot going oh, on. I, like but I, I assure you, it's all deftly packed. Okay. <laughs> Um, and so the the book is sort of this um, conversation about nationality, about creativity, about the things we do when we know that we're losing the people we love. Um, and yeah, it's uh, on the shelves next week. And because we love podcasts, a bit of an unsolved murder in there as well. Yes, yes. There's a bit of a... Um, <laughs> True crime. I mean, we never mention West Cork, but we uh, are... We, we, me, but there's definitely a kind of a, a hint towards sort of true crime podcast craze Brilliant. and why we all think that we deserve to know the truth, you I know? Love it. I love it. It has a little bit of everything in there for me. It's been getting really good praise. I saw one person compare to you as a little bit of Marion Keys and a little bit of Maeve Binchy. What high praise? That, I mean, the highest mm-hmm. praise. <laughs> 
I, I, I'm actually just reading a May Vinci book right now. Um, what are you classes. reading? Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's 30 years since um, Circle of Friends came out. Oh, I just think that is one of the most amazing books I've ever read. It's brilliant. I actually read it last year for my podcast, Sentimental Garbage. And, um, you know, thinking of it very much as a book I'd seen in my grand's house growing mm-hmm. up. And uh, May Vinci, God love her, they gave her the most awful covers. Yeah. They really need to republish them as like Penguin Modern Classics or whatever. Totally. Um, so there was a lot of watercolour going on then. Oh, a lot of watercolours. Lots of like pictures of rocking chairs mm-hmm. the blanket draped over it. <laughs> yeah. Not sexy stuff. But I just think Circle of Friends, even though it's like set in the 50s and written in the 80s, um, I think it's one of those amazing books about sort of Irish class and friendship ever written. So to be just described, you know, to be compared to Maeve Binchy or Marion Keyes, I think is the highest praise. And I remember Delighted. reading somewhere that Maeve Binchy said that she loves sitting on a bus and listening to people's conversations. I think she was really interested in the human condition. And I, I think the same for Marion Keyes. Are, are you like that? Are you interested in what motivates people? And it seems from scenes of a graphic nature that you are. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That, that, um, I think that's a really interesting one, particularly because both of those writers are so good at capturing mm. a very particular Irish cadence. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big thing for me in this book as well, because I had a struggle with because I had, like um, a sort of two thirds of the book is set in rural Ireland and a third of it is set in London, and uh, you know the London stuff is very easy because. People in London sort of, or people in the arts in London, sort of speak with a kind of a um, fluidness where they're like, everyone kind of secretly believes they're on a TV show, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But then when you're capturing a kind of a rural Irish dialect, and particularly Kerry, which is a kind of a county that gets forgotten a lot or gets made Mm -hmm. fun of a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you've got the Healy Rays as well, like who are um, uh, the kind of, I think they're a fascinating family, Mm. but they're sort of held up as a kind of, oh, that's what Kerry is, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so capturing that particular kind of dialogue with, you know, Kerry people, they sort of, they love um, a lot of adjectives. Like, they love, like, um, like there's never, there's no thing as a small house in Kerry. It's a tiny little house. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or, or big houses. Oh, she's a, she's there in that great big house knocking yeah, around on her own. exaggeration there. Yeah. The exaggeration, the adjectives. And that was um, a really interesting thing to try and capture without leaning into kind of like Blarney and Brogue mm. and like this kind of cliche thing. Mm-hmm. And so for that, you know, my, me and my brother, we spent all of our, or our whole family really, we spent our childhood kind of in a campsite in Kerry every summer and so I kind of invited him over once the book was finished and we sort of read the scenes out loud together mm-hmm. so all those Terry scenes because he's just very good at accents and and it was really fun to, to do that together and to try and get that voice exactly right you know yeah um, you're doing so much at the moment but I suppose last year your life was quite different and you freelance a lot and then this two book deal for um, two young adult novels came along but before that, you've been writing for The Pool, which is gone now, and you've been making mm-hmm. your podcast. Are you very much in writer mode now, or you, do you still see yourself as a freelance podcast maker and um, will write for online content if you uh, if you get the chance to, or is it all about writing novels at the moment? If I had kind of my way, 
Actually, do you know what, Scratter? I do have my way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, um, you're right, I had a, a not a great year last mm. year in that um, my two sort of main incomes were writing twice a week for The Pool, which mm-hmm. is a, uh, was a kind of an online feminist website that uh, folded. Mm-hmm. And also I had a column for The Times Ireland, um, which also folded. Yeah. And both of these things folded within about a month of each other. Okay. And my, you know, previous book, Promising Young Women, wasn't really, it's not, I mean, it's, you know, it's been, it's done very well, but it's yeah, not it's making, been, you know, the money yet or and anything. And it has been nominated for lots of different awards. So it's doing well in that sense. Yeah, but yeah, but it's lovely, but it hasn't been out long enough and mm. it hasn't been a huge enough thing to be making me really any money. And mm-hmm. so uh, at the beginning of 2019, I was like, I'd lost all of my livelihood in the space of kind of a month. And, um, you know, I had kind of nothing on the horizon. I had this podcast. I was sort of just trying to plug the gaps wherever I could, you know, and I had, I had kept, I had sort of been very good at squirreling money away. And um, because when you're a freelancer, it's sort of something you need to do because this could happen at any moment, yeah, you know, things can fold. And in fact, they did. And I was like, okay, I could either kind of ferociously keep on, you know, plugging my thumb in the leaky dike or whatever and, try to sort of make it from month to month and not deplete my savings and by like sort of like pitching around and constantly trying to plug gaps with newspaper articles and features and things or I could just make the decision to go through my savings right here right now um, and and pitch a book and work on a book proposal of something that I think will really really work and so then I came up with the young adult series which was all our hidden gifts and coming out in February. I sort of spent a month and a half working on a proposal. I did 20,000 words. I sent it off to publishers. And for some reason, it took. And I was able to sell that so that I could work on basically exclusively that for the next two years. Great. Did that take quite quickly then? It it did, you know. Okay. I don't know what happened. Mm. <laughs> it it was very weird because I lost all my work quite quickly but then I gained it quite quickly it was just a time of weird enormous momentum that I'm uh, you know felt like whiplash at the time so that's out next year is that right that's out February yeah. February 2021 um, in the meantime as we said scenes of a graphic nature out um, this week on August 6th are you reading a lot during lockdown or are you an avid reader I'm like I fly through books I could read a book every three days. But in a way, I find that quite a silly way to go on because I don't think about them then. What what way do you read? Yeah, I'm like, um, during lockdown, isn't it funny lockdown has gone on, gone on so long now yeah. that um, there's no one, like no one's had a good or a bad one. Everyone's mm-hmm. had like ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And so like, I definitely spent about five weeks of lockdown not reading a book at all, mm-hmm. just playing video games yeah. and crying. Yeah. And, <laughs> I hear you. Um, but now I've gotten, I think in the last sort of month and a half, I've gotten much back into it. I feel like I found my momentum with reading again. Okay. And I, I'm finding it a huge comfort. I think as well, what I tend to be reading at the moment is quite short books. Okay. Like, um, I, I finished, like, Colm Tobin's, like, I finished Brooklyn, which I think everybody read about five yes, years ago. Uh, but I loved it. Although loved I it. think that, and this is, I don't think this is an original thing to say, I think that, um, Colm Tobin gets a lot of credit for doing the exact same thing that Maeve Binchy did. Uh-huh. Um, but he just did it in short books. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Whereas Maeve Binchy is the, a lover of a 500 to 700 page book, you know? 
Yeah, and it makes you wonder that if she'd written sort of like elegant 200-page novels, whether she would have been this... Um, people would have thought it was much more artistic or something, Maybe. you know? I do love a really large book, though. I really like a good 500-word book that I can get my teeth into. Is there anything you're loving at the moment that you'd recommend for people to read, apart from, of course, scenes of a graphic nature? <laughs> well, I mean, I told you I was reading Evening Class. Um, oh, yes. Evening Class by Mike Vinci. Yeah. But I've, I've read, like, there's so much good stuff out this there year. Is. And, like, even if you look at the Booker Prize list that was nom- announced yesterday, the day before... There's amazing stuff on it. And um, just stuff that's come out this year alone. Um, Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reid. Have you read that one? I start, I read 10 pages of that and I couldn't get into it. Could, could you not? No, I don't know what it is. And do you know what? Well, I kind of half know what it is. I was reading, there was a lot of books I was reading of the same kind of ilk. And I was like, no, I need something else. So I'll go I back know to it. It's on mean. my Kindle. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think, and I, I shouldn't be saying this because I'm certainly one of these people, there's a lot of, like, millennial women fiction going around. That's, yeah. um, and there are, I mean, it's, it's probably silly to call it millennial women fiction because it's, it's just the women who are coming into their mm. talents now who are in their 30s. And, um, but sometimes you can feel like, oh, you're checking boxes of what's going to come up next. It's like, there's going to be something about, like, you know... Um, the internet, there's going to be something about sort of modern feminist politics, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be, and sometimes I do feel that, like, I, you know, you can't get enough of it sometimes. What's your favourite okay. book? And I know I shouldn't really ask you this because I really, you know those um, Facebook, tell us your 10 favourite books and then send it on to someone else, which I never actually do. But I've often sat down and thought about them and one day I'll have one, 10 favourite books and then another month I'll have another 10. But is there always a book you would go back to or recommend to someone? It's funny, isn't it? Cause the, the favorite book question is a big one because there's some books that you you go back to all the time and you just read them all the time because they make mm. you feel cozy mm-hmm. and comfortable and looked after. And there are some books that you've only read once or twice, but you think about them constantly. Yes. You know, mm. like I, and I think so. I'm going to just hedge my bets with two of them there, okay. and I think for the ones that I kind of go back to all the time, um. God, it's a bit embarrassing, but it's called Flowers in the Attic. Oh, Virginia Andrews was my teenage... I was obsessed. Whenever I eat sugar donuts in Ikea, I think of Virginia Andrews. Oh, totally. Lacing the donuts (laughs) bar, Would you still say teenagers are reading Virginia Andrews? I'm hoping so. I hope so, yeah. Yeah. I, I just remember my sister giving it to me and... I remember her, like, it, it's so clear. It's such a clear reading memory of, I was about 13, so she was 23. And she was clearing out a room, I think, because she was moving out. She was moving to Dublin. And she'd found her battered copy of it. And she came into my room with literally the book behind her back. And then she kind of pulled it out with great ceremony. And she was like, you need to read this. And I wouldn't have been in the habit of, you know, listening to my sister or what she told me. But she was like, no, no, no to and so I was like fine and then I was immediately taken in by this kind of strange kind of gothic 1950s very mm-hmm. stilted cadence and then suddenly the kids are locked in an attic and then the kids are getting off with each other and oh it's such a ride and then there's four <laughs> other books to go along with this 
And I read all of them. I also read a book by Virginia Andrews called My Sweet Audrina. Couldn't tell you what it was about, but the name has always stuck to me. And then, of course, there was an Audrina in the the hills, which I always thought, I wonder if she was named after a Virginia Andrews. Yes, yes. I I can't even, I remember those three Audrina books as well. I can't remember whether I even read them, but the cover is very real to me. Yes, exactly. Because the covers are quite gothic and dark looking. And yeah, they really stuck with me. So there you go. I hope teenagers are are reading the Virginia Andrews books. Anything else? Or I think we should okay, leave so it that's one, my, one, yeah. Virginia, that's my sort of like read that I come back to a million, billion, billion yeah, times. Brilliant. And then the books that I have only read once or twice, but I sort of, they kind of, I'm in the middle of shopping in Tesco and they just sort of catch me. And I'm just like, oh God, that was so good kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, is um, Are You Somebody? Oh yes. Fabulous. Oh, and, I, and like, do you know what that's so, that book was such a huge thing in Ireland in the 90s mm-hmm. and it did really well in America. And no one talks about it anymore. Well, true, actually. I never hear anyone talk about it. And uh, is it of its time, I wonder? or It's really not. Uh, so I, I remember finding it a couple of years ago when we were, again, this is another house clearing story. Mm. But when we were clearing out my grandparents' house, um, so my grandfather <clears throat> could move to a nursing home, um, which was a very, you know, as you can imagine, a very emotional day anyway. And... Um, my, I was in my grandmother's room and she had her books there, her like Jean Plady books. And I pulled down the new little pylon and I started reading it, kind of just sitting on the carpet. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, I always wondered whether there was like a Nora Ephron for Ireland. Mm-hmm. And I was always sad that like they never, I never found one because, you know, kind of you couldn't really call Edna O'Brien, mm. that kind of thing. Um, but then immediately getting this like really witty, really funny voice that could just capture the sort of um, indelicacies of a very conservative era. I think Nulo Foylan just did that so superbly. And she's, I feel like she has been a bit forgotten now. And she needs to be brought back. Like, they need to be, like, a festival in her name. And I think possibly why she hasn't is because I think the, the Binchy children have been really good at keeping, mm-hmm. um, like, festivals going and stuff going in her name. And because Nula, I don't think she had children. No, she didn't, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe there were less people who were kind of, um, invested in keeping her name and her legacy mm. alive, maybe. And I think when people think about Nulo Fuelon now, a lot of talk is about that like phenomenal interview with Marion Finucan. Um, yeah, and people yes. seem to know her for that and her her very very honest conversation about finding out she had a terminal illness. You know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And there's less discussion about her actual body of work, exactly. which is very large. Yeah, good stuff. Well, as I said, at the moment, though, I am three or four pages into scenes of a graphic nature and really looking forward to the rest of it. Oh, and yeah, good that, Yes, <laughs> we must. Especially that twist with the things aren't what they seem on the island. So I'm looking forward to that bit as well. As we said, <laughs> Caroline, it is out on the 6th of August. If you want to search for it, it is Scenes of a Graphic Nature by Caroline O'Donoghue. And you can follow Caroline on Twitter as well. She is at Caroline, but stick a Z in there too and you'll find her. Mm-hmm. It was so lovely to talk to you this morning and best of luck with everything. I've loved this. Thank you so much for having me. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. This is August Bank Holiday. I 
kind of forgot that. And it would have been spree weekend as well in Washford and the iconic parade should have been on tonight. But of course, the pandemic has put an end to that. TV Honan is the director of Spree, one of the country's largest street theatre groups. He joins me this morning to talk plans for Spree this year and Spree Time 2020. Hiya, TV. Well, it's fantastic to be here. I'd normally not be here of a regular uh, Spree weekend morning. I must say, this uh, whole grain toast is fantastic. <laughs> and I love the eggs and the sausages, the full, br- the full brunch. Loved it. I'd, like, your timeline must be all over the place, is it? Uh, I was just saying uh, um, to some of the folks on the way into studio here this morning that um, it, it's just so, like, we've been doing Spree on August weekend for, I think, 28 years. Mm. And like, I think someplace our body clocks are just hardwired totally. to it. Like, it's like Christmas, mm. the, the the big bits of the year and family birthdays and that. Um, so it's been the strangest thing ever not to be out kind of 12, 14 yeah, hours a day this weekend, you know. Let's go back to March, because, of course, when the St. Patrick's Day parades were finally cancelled, that had an effect on Spree. You were going to be at many. Hugely, yeah. We were, it, it, this all started for us back uh, about... 10 days out from Patrick's Day mm. and uh, we were meant to be in Kilkenny. We were meant to be in Dublin. We were meant to be in Cork. We were meant to be in Waterford. We were meant to be in Limerick. Um, so we were meant to be in so many kind of places and then the the calls started coming back. First, I think Dublin went and then that had to tumble on effect. Kilkenny went mm-hmm. then and Waterford went, etc., etc. And all the stuff was good to go at that stage. You know, the costumes were made and the floats were polished up and we were just getting ready to take them apart to truck them to the different locations. So, like, we were kind of got the belt real early on. And then we were to be in another group of people listening this morning. We were meant to be in Carlo then okay. on the f- around the first weekend of June for Carlo oh, Arts, yes, Festival. Arts Festival. We, were, we, we had done it small shows there the last two years but we were meant to be the headline act on the Saturday night this year um, and that was gone within a couple of weeks. So it's been one thing after another. Um, saying all that, uh, thankfully everyone as well, um, yes. you know, Spree families and parents and children well. So, you know, that's not a small thing. Mm. Um, uh, quite early in this, people were saying to us in interviews and that, well, what's the plans for Spree? I think my answer at the time was that, look, there's plenty of time to think about mm. festivals because it was really frightening time those first um, three they or were. four weeks of all yeah, this. It's almost hard to remember that. Um, and now I think it's really started to dawn on us what an effect this pandemic has had on the work and livelihood of technicians and uh, behind the scene workers in the arts. Oh, it's absolutely dreadful. I mean, we, Spree has a certain amount of protection in, from the point of view that we're granted it. Mm-hmm. And that has kind of kept the wolf from our door mm-hmm. long enough to be able to redesign um, what should have been Spree Weekend and Spree International Street Arts Festival. We'll talk about what we're going to do in a minute. Mm. But we have lots of friends over many, many years who aren't in the subsidised sectors, who earn their living by getting in vans and, and loading up mm. PA systems, loading up building stages. All the folks that would have worked on Electric Picnic um, all together now, Lots and lots and lots of it's really tough for those people out mm. there. And I mean, they're really kind of skilled technicians with families to kind of feed and stuff like that. And, you know, God help us there. They the chances of them getting back and doing a gig 
it's going to be a long time uh, before you see a thousand people in the Olympia again. Yeah. Never mind the big shows outdoors. Do you know what I mean? True. So it's an awful, awful tough time. And the thing about it is, while the events industry, many of us think of it being centred in Dublin, but there are production companies based in Carlo. There mm-hmm. are production companies based. If you take Wee Bullock down in Wexford, for mm-hmm. example, they do a lot of outdoor stuff at the big festivals during the summer. No festivals, no work for Wee Bullock in Wexford. There are there are companies, sound and lighting companies in Tipperary. Um, here in Waterford, you have every event and companies like that that service that industry. Mm-hmm. Tough times for our mates out there, really tough times. Yeah, and kind of... No real, as you said, light at the end of the tunnel just yet. No, it's going to be. Well, look, um, if 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 you and I could forecast when it's going to be, by God, we'd make a lot of money because. But that's the that's the really crazy thing about the moment. Normally, with when we go into these imaginary tunnels, you can see light at the end. But every time we seem to get near the light in this set of circumstances, it seems to move further Mm. away. Mm. I think there's a set of elves at the far end of the tunnel building it. And every time we think we're getting near it, they're kind of building it and extending it. Let's talk about Spree, Spree Time 2020 and what you've decided to do with this. So we're hoping something in September, are you? Yeah. The big nut to crack for us was social spacing, how, how to protect the artists and how to protect the audiences. And we, we, we spent a lot of time trying to find an answer to that. So uh, really what we came up with was kind of simple enough in the end, but it took us a long time to find it. Um, if you think about Spree Festival, it normally happens over six sessions, mm. three afternoons and three evenings. Mm-hmm. So for September, we've extended that to 10 sessions. Okay. So straight away, we have more street space and the audiences can come at different times that suit them. Mm. Uh, Second thing we've done is that we're not going to do shows during the day. We're only going to do shows in the evening. Therefore, we're not going to be competing with retail for precious street space. So we're not going to be competing with Penny's or or the book centre here in Waterford. Um, other businesses that uh, City Square, mm-hmm. those customers will be gone home. They may come back in, but we're not all going to be there together, okay. which is normally part of the joy of it. So is that 10 evenings then, if you're ten thinking evenings, after trading yeah. hours? Between the 4th and the 13th. Um, and the other thing is that we've we've just had to take the big ticket crowd pulling items out of the system. There was no way we could socially space a spree parade. Okay. There was no way we could socially space the fireworks. Okay. But what we have been able to do is by a series of kind of inventive ways. Um, what we're now promising people now, if you come to Waterford any one of those evenings between 8.30 and 10, 10.30, you can take a stroll through the city at night. And just see the city in a different way. Mm. We're going to be doing some imaginative decoration stuff over the streets. There are going to be performers, but they might be in shop windows rather than out in the street. Bit of a feeling of Wicked Woods going on here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A kind of an urban version of walking Mm. through the city at night and seeing different things as you go. I mean, the big thing for us was that we had to reverse the normal process. Normally what happens, you put the act someplace. And a crowd gathers around them Mm. or the parade comes through the street Mm -hmm. and people stand on either side. Now we've had to 
come up with a system where it's actually the audience move. Okay. And the audience uh, promenade, I think, is the posh word for it. Okay. Uh, the, 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 the audience can promenade around the city centre area Lovely. and turn a corner. Oh, look what they're doing. Move on. And do you need to book that? No. No. No, we're going to kind of keep it open and I'll tell you why. Um, this, first of all, for the reasons that of timing. We're not operating during the day. We won't be competing with retail. Um, but the other thing is that what we believe is, is that with booking, we're creating problems. So theoretically, this was one of the interesting you said. The, one of the first things we come up with was mm-hmm. um, we put a barrier at the end of the street and we put a barrier at the end of the other, the, the other okay. end of the street and we limit people going in. But actually, we were going to co- then cause the problem and and the the the, the social spacing problems yes. outside the barrier. Okay. So we think that if we can create as much space as possible, that people have got very kind of sensible and will work with those and will work for their own protection. If they have enough of space, people will mind themselves. So there's going to be an element of kind of trust in that. Yeah. But we have a lot of trust in in the, in in Irish people in general. Yeah, and I think people are realizing they have to mind themselves first and then in minding themselves they're minding others yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, talking about minding people and um, one of the things that we are holding off on general publicity about it until after the August Bank Holiday weekend or the spree weekend because we thought if we start talking about it in July too much we'll confuse people. Uh, you could have people turning up on Saturday evening mm, to see someone, you know, we yeah. could have had someone turning up this evening mm. for the parade for example. Mm-hmm. So we're holding off now. But one of the other things we're going to try to do, um, we think this is a nice thing to do and we think it helps the social spacing as well. You know, a group of Irish people in our society are our mums and dads. Um, uh, I don't know what the nice politically correct word is these days for older people. Okay. Um, but the older people have had to do some of the real heavy lifting mm-hmm. early in this with cocooning and that. Mm-hmm. Not seeing their grandchildren, talk to their grandchildren through windows, if even that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of think we're going to kind of put a, a couple of evenings aside and say, if you're the buggy generation and that's where your family is at, well, you've all these nights to come to. But wouldn't it be a nice thing to do if all the buggy people and all the teenagers, whatever, stayed out of town these two nights so that, you know, yeah, um, the, older generation the, the moms and the dads and the grandparents yeah. can have a safe bit of space in town Lovely to idea. get out of the house and take a walk around mm. and and just feel kind of normal again for a couple of hours. Yeah, something to look forward to. That's the 4th of September for 10 nights. For 10 nights. Um, as you said, not doing much publicity at the moment, but if you want to check out Spree's Facebook, that's where everything will be put up. If you just search for Spree Washford, that's where it will be. And of course, you will start talking about it after this bank holiday or whatever it is. Yeah. We've all forgotten it's a bank holiday. And one of the other things, um, kind of people, this will probably be well known around here, but um, particularly in, in Tip and, mm, and, and in Carlo and Kilkenny, Wexford, where people are kind of listening. Um, we'll be starting each night at 8.30. Okay. Um, and because of the change of dates, we're now overlapping with Harvest Festival. Okay. And we're quite doing quite a bit of stuff behind the scenes together. And the Harvest Festival people are now going to organise um, early meal deals, uh, early bird deals throughout those days so that you could come to town, book a table, have a meal, then pop out in the streets about eight o'clock, take a walk around and have a really nice, complete evening out. Okay, So that's idea. something to look at closer to the time. Lovely. It's nice to have Speaking something. Speaking of food. 
Give yes. me another sausage, John. <laughs> make those sausages yourself, TV. I'll send you upstairs. You can get yourself a blah. Listen, strange times, but you seem to have adapted in some ways in Spree, and it's great to hear. It's such a pity that the parade yeah. isn't on tonight, but as you said, we have to all keep ourselves uh, safe. Yeah. Um, Facebook and Spree is the place to go if you want to get more details on Spree Time 2020 TV. As usual, it's lovely to talk to you this Listen, morning. Listen, great to see you. You mind yourself now. You too, TV. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, my next guest is one of three Irish dancers on the front cover of the studio album by American band The Chicks. Uh, you also might know them as the Dixie Chicks. Quiva O'Shea is from Kilsheelan in County Tipperary and she joins me this morning with her mum, Sinead. You're both very welcome. Thank you. And congratulations, Quiva. People want to look at the album cover. I think you are the dancer to the furthest right and you have the number 880 on your dress. Am I right? You've forgotten already, have you? <laughs> in the red and white. The red dress. Okay, you're in the red dress. Tell us how this all happened for you. Um, so me and, my, me and the two girls who were on the album were dancing at a fish and we both came first, second and third. And then they... Like the girl in the middle put up a photo on her Instagram and somehow the chicks saw it. And I don't know how they saw it. Like, And the rest is history. Yeah. Wow. And then they just asked her mum and they asked me. Okay. So Sinead, Kaviva's mum is here. When did this all start for you? Did you just get a call or? Um, yeah. On a, So the fetch was on the 14th of January and um, I just got a call on a Saturday morning and um was I sitting down that it was um, one of the girls had got a phone call from the chicks from the producer Mike Roberts uh, looking for the photograph um, looking for permission and I kind of thought oh yeah that's great and I love the Dixie chicks or the chicks and I rang Quiva's dad and I said you're not going to believe this and he said oh like you know how do you know it's them and I said oh I really don't but then it all kicked off on the Monday we started getting um, contracts from Sony Music and Dixie Chicks emails and so I was like okay this is actually real this is happening so yeah that's great So this was actually a photo that was taken at the fesh when you came first, second and third Yes because it's a really stylized photo but that was your actual outfit for that fesh Yeah Wow I honestly thought that was in a studio and they had completely style because they are really stylish outfits that you have like like quite modern Irish dancing outfits I would say Yeah Yeah Have you a wig on? Yeah Yeah so tell us about your outfit and because I think when we think about Irish dancing we think very traditional white socks yeah, up to your knee yeah. big ringlets but you look quite cool in your one so tell us about your outfit. Um, so that is only like my new dress so I got it at the start of January I still have only wore it twice but and it's like a red dress and it has like pearl sleeves and a good few diamonds on it. I have a funny feeling that might be your lucky dress now if you've got yourself yeah. on the album cover for the Dixie Chicks and you've only worn it twice. Yeah. And tell us about your hair because your hair is up in the photo. Yeah, so it's just like a wig on the back but the front piece is my own hair and then it's like back combed and brushed back. Is it quite heavy? Yeah. And you have to dance with that too. Yeah. And how long have you been dancing for? Um, Since I was five. Okay. So. And you're 14 now, is that yeah. right? So nine years. Is it in your family dancing? Yeah, well, my uncle is a dancing teacher and soon to be a judge. And then my other uncle is a judge. Okay, and you dance with the Ryan School of Dance in County Tipperary. And is it the biggest hobby of your life at the moment? Is it something that takes over your life? Yeah, 
because I yeah. dance like four nights a week. Wow. And then like, there's not much. Probably have a fest then on a Sunday. So that's nearly my whole week gone. Yeah. So that's your main hobby? Yeah. And then school as well? Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> so what did that mean for you come March when everything shut down and you couldn't go to dance? How did that work for you? I was so bored. Like, I didn't know what to do because I was just sitting at home and I practiced, but it's not really the same as going into dancing class. And did they do anything to help you to dance? Were there, you know, we were all doing Zoom table quizzes yeah, so and... I was doing the Zoom calls, like, three times a week and then two fitness ones. But that's out in, like, my shed, so... Not the same as being with your no. friends. Yeah, it must be tough. It was the social part that Quiva really missed um, because she was still putting in her three dancing classes, Monday, Wednesday and Friday, and then her fitness classes, Tuesday and Thursday. So she's out in the shed for an hour and a half um, a little bit more maybe but she'd come in and it was just the, there was no sense of her French her friend social skills yeah, there was no like even I go with my friends in the carriage dancing so then that would be like social circle yeah so she was very busy our, our internet package went through the roof I think <laughs> our I internet usage went through the roof and how are things now are you back dancing not yet okay I had two weeks off because I still have to have a break and I don't know when I'm going to be back. Okay. And will you have your junior cert this year as well then? No, No, I'm only going into second year. Okay, so at least you don't have to worry about exams as well when you get back to it. And have you a plan with Irish dancing or is it something you'd like as a hobby or would you like it as a career? Um, I think I'd like to be, like have it as a career. Like, yeah. Yeah. I've put so much time into it. So I'd like to stay going at it. And I always see people going on J1s and things like that and suddenly using it as a way to earn a bit of money when they're abroad too. So yeah. it is a great thing to have. Yeah. 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 And now, obviously, you're on the front cover of a Dixie or the Chicks album. So that'll always stand to you too. Yeah. Have people started to talk about it? Has it much talkability in your family or friends in County Tipperary that you're on the front cover? Yeah, my uncle is always, whenever I come in, he's like, oh, here comes the superstar. <laughs> Well, you keep that one up that you're a superstar yeah. anyway. Um, so it is, uh, weirdly, they're now called the Chicks, that they're not called the Dixie Chicks anymore. Yeah. Um, the single from that is called Gaslighter. It's a really yeah. good one. You, and you're dancing in that as well. Is that right? Yeah. And how did that happen? Um, they just like emailed mom one of the days and we were like, we'd love for them to be dancing in the video as well. And we were just dancing at a fish then as well. And we just kind of put a step together between us. And then they put us into the video. Okay, so that was all pre-pandemic, obviously, yeah. so you could do that. Well, back in February. Back in okay. February, the okay. All-Irelands were down in Killarney. Um, so we're in, in, in the Glen Eagle Hotel. It's a huge hotel. You've got three halls going at the same time, and we had to wait for one hall to clear out because we had to sign confidentiality agreements so people couldn't see us down there, see the girls dancing. <clears throat> Pretend that, you know, we weren't up to something. Yeah. And um, get permission then of the hotel and the CLRG who ran the fish. And they used the backdrop. We used the backdrop of the fish, um, the All Ireland's. And yeah, yeah, so that was good too. We got the videos and they all done a step together and then they done a step on their own. I think each girl done a step on their own. And you're happy with it? Yeah. yeah, it looks really great. And if people want to check it out, um, it is the Chicks Gaslighter is the video. And that's where you'll see the front cover of the album as well. Congratulations. Thank you. 
Always a great one to have on your CV that yeah. you're on the front of an album cover for yeah. an American iconic country band. Um, hopefully you get back to dancing soon with your yeah, friends hopefully. before the year is out. Thanks so much for coming in this morning. That is Quiva and Sinead. Thanks so many for no coming problem. in. I'd say you're just so used to driving around the country with an Irish dancer in your I, family, are you? We had such a great break for, while COVID, while the, we, we really, the car was parked up for nearly five weeks. It was just great. <laughs> but it's beginning to pick back up again now and we're back on the road. And are you happy about that in a way? Yeah, it was great. The you know COVID time off work. Uh, yeah, I think it's family time. That. We yeah. never get back. Mm. Um, so we really cherish that. But it is nice to get but then back after like two months. It's a bit much. Yeah, it's nice to get back. And, it is. And to be, and, yeah. you know, see people again. And we're just holding back a little bit. We've two. Quiva's two sisters, Ali and Eve. Um, and are they dancing as well? They're they're dancing. Yeah, that's a struggle with the two girls to go dancing, but they do. Okay. Um, yeah. So you were on the road a lot. So we were. Okay. Yeah. So All right. We enjoy the break. Well, Quiva, congratulations. And I hope we'll get to talk to you again soon. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. August bank holiday. I kind of had forgotten it. And if you're missing all together now this weekend or our very own Beat on the Street, which would have been on Friday night, a virtual festival today may make you feel like it is actually a bank holiday. It's called Saoirse's Summerfest and Saoirse's mum, Rosanna, is on the phone this morning to tell us more. And of course, Rosanna, you're very welcome. We talked to you back in May when you were raising funds with a virtual choir and now here you are with a virtual festival. Yes, Orla, how things have changed. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to step up to the big league now. How is everything with you, Rosanna, and of course with Saoirse too? Yeah, we're, 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 we're plowing on, you know, we're, we're doing our chemo. It's like week 27 of chemo, I think, at this stage. Um, she, she, you know, she's great. She's, She's doing her bit. Um, it, it's taking its toll. It is. It's, it's getting tougher on the body. Side effects are, are getting harder. But look, uh, she just needs that little bit more time in between chemos to recover. But we're still going strong and she's still in good spirits. And just yeah. remind us about Saoirse's condition. It, it, it hasn't been a long time since she was diagnosed with, with cancer. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so just at the end of November, she was complaining with this ankle pain, ankle discomfort that turned into a limp and you know the GP referred her into A&E it was what they felt was a broken bone but shock of our lives two days later after being brought back into um, oncology in Galway they did a full day test and um, turned out to be a very very rare life-threatening tumour called osteosarcoma wow what a um, shock yeah huge shock um, I don't know if we're ever even over that shock yet because you know we're just so busy Mm. doing the day-to-day stuff and it's every now and again you sit back and go God, you know you're still thinking back on where it all started And Susha had to have her leg amputated Yeah, because of where the tumour was uh, limb sparing surgery wasn't an option so in March we hit up to Dublin here the night before it's actually St. Patrick's night and she had the surgery on the 18th and she had a right leg amputation and um, so that's still something that's um, that's still a work in progress because obviously with chemo, you know, everything is slower to heal. So her wound is, it's healing, but it's just really slow to heal. So we haven't been able to take up rehab yet or she hasn't gotten her first prosthetic. But look, mm-hmm. at it, we'll get there, we'll get there. Well, when you look back on this year, I, I'm sure it's hard to almost... Um, like think about all the things that have happened. You know, when someone goes through one pr- trauma, it's something that's hard to get through your head. You, you have so many things that when you get a chance to sit back and everything is over and Saoirse is well again to think what happened to you in 2020. 
Yeah, it, it, it's, I suppose the first blow was the diagnosis mm. and then the second blow was the amputation and then at the same time COVID started. So it made it a difficult time but it made it twice as difficult with COVID. Mm. We don't see family, we don't see anyone, like she's high risk so we don't take that chance. Um, I suppose the staff in Crumlin are as close to family to us now because we see them more. Um so yeah, so it, but I suppose it, it's a bit like we're removed from life itself. Mm-hmm. But then I do think isn't everybody with COVID? True. So um, now we're kind of getting to the stage where we're thinking, well, what will life be like when we're not doing what we're doing? So it's a bit, it's a change again, you know, yeah. that we're a bit nervous about. And while everyone else was at home and couldn't go further than two or five or twenty kilometres, you had to get in your car and travel to Crumlin from Galway yeah. for chemo for Susha. Yeah, we had. We were given our letters, like for when we were, you know, stopped at checkpoints and, you know, it was all such a big eye-opener and only one of us was allowed to travel at a time and everything was closing down and restrictions. So it, it just made the journey up and down to Dublin a lot lonelier. But, you know, we did it. We tried to make the best of every journey and make it fun for her if we could. And, um, yeah, so things aren't as bad now. It's nice to see things. Um, you know the restrictions been lifted a little. Yeah. Um. So yeah. And then got to see her friends or anything like that. She had initially got to see them. Well, I suppose we did zooms and that. Um, that's the only way, really. Um, okay. no, you just couldn't take the chance. It's too risky, really. Of course. Okay, and talking virtual and meeting people, let's talk about the sort of acts that you have lined up for Saoirse's <laughs> Summerfest, which is today at three o'clock. You have Tipperary's own, the two Johnnies. You have Codaline. <laughs> you, have, you, you really have the big hitters here. Key West. Um, yes. You have Tyke Fleming, who is just a celebrity in the world of social media platforms. You really have got some massive stars in there. How, how did it all happen? Um, what we wanted to do was we were coming up with ideas of raising money. We were trying to raise money for Sears' prosthetics. And then what happened was we had to, um, we started organizing a private Zoom and then it ended up being a festival. What happened then was that we actually met our target goal of the 160,000 a lot earlier than we thought. Okay. The best year she kisses out in prosthetics until she's 18. Brilliant. But the festival was scheduled for the August bank holiday. So, we decided between us that what we'd like to do is give back to the people that helped us along the way. Mm-hmm. So the idea then is that you're just going to share out any funds raised for this festival with Crumlin Children's Hospital, uh, the Irish Cancer Society, Avian Think Thai, Hand in Hand West and Oncology Pediatrics in Galway. Oh, and we just got a great team together, Orla, and we just started looking for music and bands. And it's nice that it's a mix. There's a bit of comedy in there with Rory's stories. The two Johnnies and Ty Fleming off. Sure, look us. He is everybody's <laughs> cup of tea. He really is. So you have so much. And then, of course, as we said, Codaline in there as well, which is such a massive band to get. It's happening today at three o'clock. Um, yourself and Saoirse are going to head into the production company where it's being made in the west of Ireland. So we might see you at some stage during the festival today. Yeah, you definitely will. We've got a lot of surprises, a lot of big competitions on as well during the day. It's going to be an all-nighter. It's going to be on to about maybe 12 o'clock tonight. Um, and we just want to give a big shout-out to Pat and Una McDonough, who are the owners of Supermax and the Goy Plaza. They're our main sponsors. 
Um, we've just been very lucky, really. And as I said, the acts are amazing. So I think there's something in there for everybody. So if they just want to um, tune in, just go to www.searshissummerfest.com or if you look us up on Facebook or Instagram, you'll be able to find uh, the concert will be streamed on Facebook. And if anybody would like to donate and help out these charities, the donate button is there on all the links on the website. Brilliant. Well, great. Well, best to look with it later today, Rosanna, and to Saoirse as well. It's on at three o'clock. Um, you're, you did a version yourself and Saoirse of The Climb a couple of months ago. It's on YouTube if people want to search for it, if they just search The Climb and Rosanna and Saoirse Ruan. I was saying to you off air, it made me incredibly emotional. It's gorgeous. You both have beautiful voices, but there's so much love in your faces for each other as well. It's really lovely to see. Yeah, thank you, Orla. It is. It's a lovely one, actually. It really is. It's well worth having a little listen to. Um, she... That was only done with two takes. Um, she's just a pure natural and uh, I think the words are very appropriate for the they journey are. that she's on. They really are. Well, look, three o'clock today, it is Saoirse's Summerfest. What a thing to have a summer festival in your name. As you said, the website to go to is saoirsesummerfest.com and that's where you'll find out all the details. But it is kicking off at three o'clock today. So have your sandwiches and your rug ready for it. Listen, give Saoirse our best and Rosanna, best of luck today as well. Thank you. Thanks, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. What can you do that is socially distanced, involves the sea and getting naked? Well, what about the dip in the nip, which is happening again this year in Rossler Strand, this day week at 7am in the morning, all for the Hope Cancer Support Centre in Enniscorthy in County Wexford. Eileen Rowe is one of the organisers and she's on the phone again this year to tell us about it. And of course, to convince, convince all us women to shed the clothes and jump into the Irish Sea, Eileen. Yep, that's that's my job, yeah. <laughs> now, do sell it to me. Job. So it's seven in the morning, you're completely naked. Is it very, very cold at that time in the morning? You don't actually feel the cold, Orla. So I would be kind of an all-year swimmer. Um, so for people that don't swim regularly, they will constantly tell you that they do not feel the cold it's just the sheer joy. It's the sound of everybody. Um, I've actually posted the sound uh, that we recorded last year of everybody hitting the water. It's um, it's undescribable. It's just, yeah, it's the best fun ever. So the water is really the last thing on your mind. When you get into the water, um, not everybody does get into the water because it is a dip. So for some people, it's toes in and out. And then for others, they get in and they'll enjoy a swim if they're a little more comfortable in the water. But then usually my problem is I can't get them out of the water because they're having so much fun in there. So I'm trying to literally uh, pull them out of the water and get their dressing gowns back on and get them off the beach. (laughs) Yeah, before it gets to nine o'clock and people are are getting down there. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Now this is the, you've been running this, it's the sixth year of the dip in the nip. You've raised a hundred grand in those six years for the Hope Cancer Support Centre yeah, in Enniscorthy yeah. in County Wexford. I'm sure you had to think long and hard about it this year, did you, with the pandemic? I, well, I did because I tell you why, Arla. I retired last year. <laughs> so I announced last year um, just with family commitments mm. and it's just really that kind of that kind of month, six weeks beforehand. It just consumes your, like every moment. I, you know, I would find now that I wake in the middle of the night and thinking about it. You're, okay. You know, it's kind of a, it's an adrenaline thing, really. And then 
once it's over, it's just such a sigh of relief. And once everything has kind of gone off well, we've raised money and you're, everybody's had such a fun time, you know, you kind of rest over the winter on it. But, yeah, so I had decided that I would retire last year from it. That was five years. Um, and we had raised over the 100000 actually okay. last year. We raised 35000 last year. Wow. So we're gone well over the hundred. I, I need to put a final figure on it, but mm. we've gone well over the 100000 mark on it. Um, so I think with uh, the lockdown, I needed to get out and yeah, do something a bit mad. So I decided, sure, here, let's give it another Let's go. do it one more time, one more bash yeah. while there's a pandemic on as well. Sure, why not? Exactly. <laughs> Just kind of hoping like, that you're kind of knocking a bit of fun out of the year. As I keep saying to people, don't let a pandemic be the only thing you're going to remember this summer. Um, you know, do something a bit daft. And tell me, I'm sure the Hope Cancer Support Centre had to close its doors during the pandemic as well and rely on phones and Zooms yeah. and stuff like they that. They did. Yeah, they really did. I, I, um, I'd only spoken to them all there again recently, but they're back in action and they're back, um, you know, dealing with their clients again. But it is, it's challenging times for them too. Um, they were delighted to hear that the dip was happening again because um, it's, um, it's great fundraising for them and... Um, it's there's great feedback, you know, um, from people and their, some of their clients come to do the dip as well. So yeah, I can imagine it's, it's a real feel good um, event. As I always say to people, you don't have to be fit to do it. You don't have to do any training. You don't even have to buy a new outfit. You just literally turn up in your dressing gown <laughs> and go for it. And go for it. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Now, of course, you um, are asking people to uh, donate some money to the Hope Cancer Support Centre in County Wexford too. There is a absolutely. Go, GoFundMe yeah, page. So this year, because of the social distancing, and usually I would go door to door and hairdresser to hairdresser and hotel to hotel. So I can't do any of that this year. Um, so it's the GoFundMe page, Wexford Dip in the Nip. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's really hoping that people will continue to put a few bob that way. Um, as I say, it's the GoFundMe page and it's Wex for Dip in the Nip is the title of the charity. And as I say, all money's raised go straight to the Hope Centre. Great, great to hear. Um, is it the same sort of people every year? Do you find new, younger people come every oh, year? Oh, yeah, to no. It? Yeah, it's very, you do. There is definitely an element of like people that really look forward to it. Like, I get people that, like, really, like, not that they dread it, but like, you know, will they be able to do it? Will they be able mm. to do it? Will they be able to do it? So I keep coaxing them and keep asking them and eventually wear them down and then they do it and then they can't wait till the next year and then they would always say why was I making such a big deal out of it in the first place the length of time that you're actually naked or is very little we do a warm-up um in our dressing gowns we do a countdown and everybody drops their dressing gowns and some will sprint into the sea some will walk into the sea some will hobble into the sea because all kinds of Mm. people all kinds of stories um, as I say, some people stay in for 10 seconds and get back out, feet only. Mm-hmm. Some people will get right down and they'll swim. Um, and then you're back out and dressing going on. So um, the nakedness really, it doesn't go on for too long, really, you know, and you're in the water and you're, you know, you're down anyway. So, okay. So are you telling people where it is? Because usually it's secret locations. Yeah. So what were you yeah, doing no, it this year with yeah, the pandemic? We're in the same location. Yeah, we're in Rosslare Strand. So, we meet in Rosslare Strand at the community centre. Okay. So we have Crime Watch, a local security um, company, um, McDougan. So he's there um, kind of greeting everybody as they're coming in. He keeps an eye on people's cars and that. So Mick is there. The guardie, the local guardie are there. We have a male guardie. We've also got a female guardie that's, um, that stands at kind of a safe distance um, from us on the beach, mm-hmm. which is there at hand. 
Um, so I think it's too early in the morning, really, for people um, to, you know, to be up and bothered with this, really, to yeah. be honest. You know, yeah. I think, um, yeah, no, we've never had, we've, thankfully, we've never had any issues at all. Um, it's it's always kind of flowing very smoothly. And as I say, it's just fun all around, really. Great. And a, and a liberating thing to do as well. Yeah. Um, and of course, yeah. all outside and socially distanced. So absolutely, you can keep yeah. yourself safe as well. It is happening this day week. In fact, it will be all over if you decide to do it this day week because it's 7 a.m. Yeah. in the morning on Rosslair Strand, as Eileen said, starting at the community centre there in Rosslair. And then you'll trot over with your robes on, throw them off and then into the sea. <laughs> for a swim or a dip, whatever you want to do. It's called Wexford's Dip in the Nip. You can search that on Facebook if you want more details. Of course, the Hope Support Centre.ie is the website if you want to see what the Enniscorthy Cancer Support Centre are doing there. And Eileen, is this your last year now? Are you done after this? You're going to oh, retire. Gosh. <laughs> never say never. Yeah, if I keep saying I'm retiring, then I don't. I yeah. know. And you could miss it. You could miss it if you're not I know. Well, I think I would too, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I'd be the first one on the beach, you know, if the opportunity arose, <laughs> so I'll look we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. OK, well, listen, best of luck with it all for next Brilliant, week. Brilliant, Sunday, Hope all for a great cause. One day, Eileen, one day I'll get the nerve <laughs> to do that. Thank you so much for talking to me this morning. Not at all. Thanks, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. OK, last but not least this morning on this Bank Holiday Sunday, it is Ardonal from the RT Guide. Did you even know it was a bank holiday? Uh, yes, I did. Do you know, actually, in the initial stages of lockdown, everything just blurred into one. I don't know about you. I working still from like home. that. I, I don't mind that like one that. way. But then I do like, it's like routinized division. I do like to realise that it actually is a weekend, kind of, you know, on yes, Friday. That I is Friday. Like that. As opposed yeah. to what day is it? Yeah. And it, especially when it's the bank all the weekend. So, yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. Yes, I do appreciate that. But we were talking to someone from Spree there um, a while ago. It was It's Spree weekend here in the southeast. But oh, of course, it's, a big it's weekend. Not, yeah, it's not course, happening. Yeah, yeah. But he was even saying it's so weird because that's, you know, that's his diary, how he works everything out. So it doesn't feel like a bank holiday for lots of people. Is it happening online or in any, in any form? It's of happening spree? in September. So they're doing okay. different. Yeah, it is actually happening, but it's not having a parade or fireworks. So, okay, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one for everyone. It's a good still, festival, it? actually. It's a great yeah. little festival. It really yeah. is. Mm. Okay, let's talk television. Let's talk Paul Meskel. He is on a roll. Just after Everyone's we... talking Paul Meskel, so why not us? Exactly. Like, to he... think that, uh, what, two years ago, he was on an ad for Rashers. Rashers. It's amazing. Paul Meskel. It's incredible. This, I mean, great. Good for him. I mean, he's gone from a Rasher ad to yeah. an, Emmy, an Emmy nomination. What did he an say? An Emmy Award nomination. I'm going to go to Bali. Bali Hornus. <laughs> That's the That's ad. Right. Yeah. There you go. You could be. You could be the next Paul Meskel. <laughs> Pauline Meskel. There you go. <laughs> there. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's incredible. I mean, like I interviewed him for uh, three months ago. It seems like a lifetime ago now for mm. um, that for normal people, obviously. And uh, unassuming. Great. Like he had. The, he had. The, he played the title role in the Great Gatsby last year on stage. At the, I was at the Gate, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. In Dublin, uh, which was his like a lead role. But he, I mean, people even then people were saying on stage this guy's a presence, charisma, etc., etc., okay. which we saw on screen. Obviously, normal people. Mm. And now this drama, which written called De- Deceived, it's on Channel Five tomorrow night at nine o'clock. It's, I suppose we mentioned because Paul's in it. And it's also written by Lisa McGee from Derry Girls. Yeah. So it's a psychological thriller. So a bit of a remove for her because normally she is totally. writing the kind of smart the sitcom things or Derry Girls, whatever. Um, so basically, it's a four-part thriller. Uh, it centres on an English 
student, student okay. of English, uh, Ophelia, played by Emily Reed, who falls for her lecture, as you do. He, uh, the lecture is played by Emmett J. Scanlon, uh, a very Irish cast, obviously. Um, this affair leads to a tragedy, and then Ophelia wonders, oh my God, something happens, and she wonders if she can even trust her own mind. You know, all the all the usual stuff of a psychological thriller. So one thing leads to another. So it's kind of like a kind of crazy little twisty thriller. Yeah, Great. sounds sounds impressive actually. And yeah. I'd love to I'd love to see what Lisa McGee does with a different type of genre in some totally. ways. You know, uh, she's very very. Um loyal to her Irish actors though and an awful lot of the stuff that she's done in the past even before Derry Girls she did a show called London Irish you remember that? And Emmett Scallon is brilliant he was in Hollyoaks he's a really great actor as well Yes so he is a good actor good actually so this yeah. could be an interesting one actually kind of, it's, just, and it's getting to be the buzz of the month cause, I suppose cause mainly because of because oh. uh, Lisa and Paul obviously yes. and Paul is you know doing it because nominated for uh, an Emmy Award an um, Emmy and, and he got an email from Hugh Jackman didn't he? Yes he did he did yeah. get an email from Hugh Jackman and now him and Dermot Kennedy performing during the week as well. It's all go for Paul. So no, no more rasher ads for, for no Paul. No more rasher ads for Paul. Those rasher ads are very nice though. I never had them but I'll, I'll probably taste them now. Yeah. Probably, imagine the boom in those rasher ads. Totally. Because Paul was in it. There you go. That's called The Deceived. If you have Channel 5, um, it is on tomorrow night at 9pm. Uh, let's talk about something you can binge on and if you have Disney Plus and you love the Muppets, well, this is your time. It's called Muppets Now. Uh, it's out right now. It kicked off. Well, it didn't kick off. It was released on Friday. They're all there for you now. Um, yeah. This is what, a reimagining of Kermit? Well, actually, and... you know, it's, it's gone, it's, I was going to say it's gone back to the original. I, I, You're too young, but I remember the original Muppet show, which was like so unique in its day because it was a show that anyone could, well, most people could watch because it was like a kiddie show, but it was actually so many in-jokes and yes, adult jokes. I did see had... bits of this. It's a bit like the Golden Girls. If you watch it now, you'd think, oh, that's a bit, you know, a bit risque. The Muppets was a little bit like that as oh, well. Oh, the Muppets were taking mm. big time and uh, unscripted like a lot of, well, so to say, off the, off the cuff kind of thing. You're the most amazing stars. I mean, there's the one with Julie Andrews where she's uh, singing uh, the Lonely Goatherd song, you know, and then you have uh, this great one with Elton John doing a version of Crossfire wow. Rock. Complete with crocodiles. These and then you have Mark Hamill wandering around the studio. It's set in this kind of fictional kind of theatre space, which is a, and your host is uh, Kermit the Frog. And it's basically a vaudeville, it's, 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 it's a theatre, and all these acts come on stage. And, and are they going back to this type? Yeah, of they're going back to old school. And they have every so Then you had, like, a, also on the, on the original Muppet show, you also just kind of like, um, you had, was it Pigs in Space was one show? And then you had Pigs one of them. Pigs in Space! That's the one! Yep. Exactly. And then you had uh, other shows as well, like, you had about this doc, Dr. Bob, who was setting the uh, this true story of a veterinarian becomes a doctor I think okay. that was, they're all these bizarre ones. now they're not doing those again but they're having all the characters back Cameron's uh, Kerm- obviously back Statler and Waldorf who sat in the in the gods looking oh, down yes. commenting and usually said this yeah. more rubbish and, and usually they're right actually it was more rubbish but it's quite funny rubbish um, you have Gonzo you have Beaker you have the Swedish chef yes. and all these characters and then you have guest stars because like I said before you had the amazing guest stars back in the day you had like uh, Peter Sellers, Sylvester Sloan, back in their heyday, you know. Okay. But this this time the lineup includes people not as high stellar, I suppose. You have Seth Rogen showing well, up. You have yeah. Ru- RuPaul, yeah. Denny Trejo, Linda Cardellini, people like that popping up as well. Okay. And it's all about. I didn't realize actually. I just I remember reading Ryan was a bit last week, and the word Muppet actually comes from Muppet. Uh, it comes from Jim Henson's back in the day, from the early mid fifties, when he a Muppet was, and now you know, obviously Muppet has a certain meaning now as well. But it came. It derives from that apparently. From the from the Muppets themselves, the the, the Jim Henson's Muppets, I believe. Gotcha. And I think usually how this show works is well, apart from the script, the unscripted or unscripted Muppetsodes, they're calling Muppetsodes. There's six of them actually. Okay. Um, boom boom. Um, but it works because it depends on the celebrity guests as well. If they're prepared to just dive in and act yes. the Muppet, I suppose that yeah. works really well. Because you had um, what's Alice Cooper was on at one time actually, <laughs> really good, just playing playing the Muppet, doing the Muppet as well. He worked really well. So hopefully, it, uh, listen. 
I haven't watched any of these episodes yet, but I, I will because I, I was a huge fan of the Muppet Show back in the day. So. And I suppose for me, the way that I remember the Muppets are, f- are from the movies, whereas this yes, is the of original. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then like, if you know the movies, you know the characters as well. So yes, they'll be basically exactly. in, this, in this show. Exactly. We had the album of the Muppet Show in my house when I was a kid. Well, like music album? Yeah, yeah. music album. When you opened it up. <laughs> Look, I, I don't know what was on it, but I just remember the album. When you opened it up, it was a picture of the theatre and those two fellas sitting up in the gods giving yeah. out. Yeah, yes, oh, yes, I'll yes. definitely watch that. It's on Disney+. Plus. Um, I think it's something a four-year-old would like and I would like as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. And isn't that great? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what we need. Uh, it's out now. It's on Disney+. Plus. Um, let's talk about Lee Mack and Lee Mack is a comedian that I really really like he has a new comedy series out it's called Semi Detached it's oh on... I didn't know you were a fan of Lee Mack yeah Mac. I really like Lee Mack I hmm. find him very droll is the way that I would uh, describe him this is called Semi Detached it is yes. on Thursday on BBC2 at 10.05 yes well you obviously you especially like this Dinola, because this is basically it's um, it's a half hour episode and it follows the hapless character Stuart played by Lee Mack okay. uh, as he struggles through the worst half hour of his life and it's set in real time, whatever that means. Well, actually, set in real time means it's obviously every minute you see on screen is like mm. more or less every minute in real life. Uh, and this, in this, on the opening episode, um, things aren't going well for Stu and um, and April, his wife, since the birth of the baby. So Stu has to contend with disruptions from his inappropriate dad, who's played by Clive Russell, his extortionist brother, played by Neil Fitzmaurice, and then there's also, at, at, while all this is going on, there's an almighty argument going on next door, which is totally driving him bananas as well. But as I say, he's so good at sort of the drolls. Sort of, mm. In fact, even in the, if you look at the, the ads for this promotional ad, there's a picture of just Lee Mack with his classic downbeat face, and there's a big cloud hanging over his head, about to you know, drench him, you know? So it's kind of like, so yeah. is this just a one-off then? If it's no, it's a, series, it's, a okay. series, it's a new series. It's a new series. Okay. Semi-detached, yeah. Good stuff. Um, it sounds like real life in a semi-detached house. You know the way you can hear the people next door. Exactly, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So that <laughs> is Thursday, BBC Two at 10.05. Um, let's have a look back at the others as well. That Paul Meskell drama. We're calling it a drama. Kind well, of a thriller. thriller. Psychological, Psychological thriller. Psychological yeah. thriller. Mm. The Deceived, written by Lisa McGee. Um, who did Derry Girls, of course, so has good credentials already, is on Channel 5 if you have it on Monday, uh, tomorrow night at 9pm, and then Muppets Now, Disney Plus. I'm going to have to get myself a trial for Disney Plus now, uh, and that is out will, now. Actually, and you have to get that album out, to get out that album from home I will find it, and I will send you a picture. <laughs> and then on Thursday, we have that new series from Lee Mack. It's called Semi-Detached. It's on BBC Two at 10.05. Donald, thank you so much. Thank you, the Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie.